the first thing I think you need is a dash of creativity because you want it to be outstanding. You want it to stand out from the regular Zoom calls and we assist with that. You don't have to be the most creative person to work with us. The second thing I would say is having assets, having your video content, having audio, having all types of promotional things that just tell people who you are. The third thing I'd say is a story. We are a storytelling platform and we want to help you tell your story from start to finish, whether you're talking about something for your nonprofit organization or you're trying to tell the history of what it is that you do. Telling that story through the different rooms helps to resonate with your audience more. So it's very important to have a story as well that we can share. And then I would say, again, communication is important. Talking with the team, making sure that this is what you want, what you like, these are the colors and things of that nature are so important to making sure it is what you want in the end. We're not afraid of any type of pushback. So if we create something and you're not liking the colors, you're not liking what it is, we offer tons of revisions that we can assist you with that. So those would be the main things I think you need to bring to create a very interactive and immersive experience. Welcome to Events Demystified Podcast, where we explore and demystify the world of in-person, virtual, hybrid event AV production and technology by sharing insightful tips, tricks and tactics to make your events a success. This podcast is brought to you by Tree Fan Events, a woman-owned boutique event production agency. And your host is Anka Trafan, a technical event planner and producer with almost two decades of hands-on technical experience in event production. Welcome, friends, to another episode of the Events Demystify podcast, your one-stop shop for tangible, technical, and practical planning advice for anyone in the events industry, brought to you by Trifan Events, and I am your host, Anka Trifan. Well, today we're going to cover a topic that seems to be, you know, a little bit controversial. If actually, probably that's not the right word to use. It's just something that not a lot of event professionals know enough about, and therefore it seems hard to understand. The metaverse events, which sometimes, you know, to some can sound like some science fiction. Make no mistake, I've seen metaverse events, I partook in some, and they are certainly slowly but surely becoming an essential part of the new digital event frontier. And while this type of events take many forms and the metaverse event option offers keep growing, the metaverse is fully developing as we speak and it's still highly experimental. So what that means is that it's changing constantly, but it's also open and available to anyone and any events that want to just try it and figure out if it works for them. People from all over the physical world can come together in this one digital space that can host different type of events and different type of experiences, which can be maybe interactive meetings, can take place on some special online platforms. But unlike, for example, the in-person events, the events in Metaverse are not necessarily limited to just one location. Participants can join from anywhere worldwide as long as they have internet access. The modern Metaverse events provide a number of features that help to create a highly immersive atmosphere. And there are so many variety of online spaces available to host maybe an online gathering where the attendants are present and they can be there in the form of an avatar. And there are different options for activities during some of those events. After COVID-19, as we all know, a lot of the events that have been happening in person have transferred to online version of what that might look like. And so the metaverse and hybrid gatherings experiences have been received extremely positively, especially based on a study in 2021 that has found that 91% of responders were highly satisfied with online events. And according to Grandview Research, the global virtual events market will continue to grow, believe it or not, more than $5 billion by 2021. 
2028. And yes, that's a little long ways to go, but that's great news for anyone that's still operating and still producing virtual events. And when it comes to the metaverse, I feel like there is things that we're still learning. And today I want to cover more of what that is and what that could look like for your event. So we're going to dive deeper into this strange world, if you may. You'll learn more about the metaverse potential for your events, if digital events are still relevant today, the cons and pros. And we'll go over a few case studies of digital events in the metaverse that just work. And for that, I have a guest that will join me here momentarily, Ali Robertson. She's the director of business development at The Labs, a virtual events platform based in Atlanta that specializes in creating immersive web mobile and kiosk experiences. She is experienced in virtual events and project management with her expertise lying in developing innovative strategies and solutions that meet client engagement goals and increase ROI. You can learn more about Ali in the episode notes. So in the meantime, let's bring her in. Welcome to the show, Ali. How are you doing today? Hi, Anka. I'm well. How are you? I'm doing fabulous. I love your background. It feels like you're in a galaxy. Which galaxy are you coming from? (laughs) Yes, I'm coming to you from the labs. Right, because we're going to be talking about this virtual reality type of events. And I love the fact that you have your virtual background sort of like supporting the conversation today. So Ali, I know that through a few of the meetings that we've had, we got to know each other a bit uh, on a more personal level, but our audience doesn't know a lot about you. And I know that can be a little bit tricky for you, as you mentioned, you know, to me in private, it's hard to talk about myself. Yes. your opportunity to just share just a few things, just to give a little bit of a background into your journey. May that be professional or personal. And how did you get to be the person that you are today? How did you get to be in the place that you are today? Sure. First, let me say, Anka, thank you for having me. It's so wonderful to be on the show. I've been watching or listening both for a while now. So to be on the other end of that is really exciting. So thanks for having me. My journey career-wise has been very up and down. It has not been a straightforward shot. So I've been in many different industries, different companies I've worked for, hospitality, I've been in accounting, things of that nature. But what I found is whenever like a very big life change happens, generally I kind of, I want to shift things. So after the passing of my sister, I was an accountant and I was just thinking, you know, like, I don't really like accounting. I don't really like numbers like that. I love people. And my sister leaving just kind of solidified my reasoning for being here. And and that is to connect people and to talk to people. So the journey has been long, but I started at the labs as a community manager, assisting in their social media management and things of that nature. And within, I think maybe a couple of months, probably less than three, Farah Allen, the CEO and founder of the labs asked me if I would go into business development for her. I think she noticed my people skills and I've been in that space ever since just connecting with people, talking with people, learning their problems of the organizations and finding solutions to assist them with that. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And honestly, I love the fact that the labs is a female owned event online platform. There are not many out there that can say that. And my question to you as a woman in event tech, because you technically can call yourself that now, right? What has been maybe some of the personal challenges that you faced or you feel like you're facing sometimes when you're having some of those conversations with potential clients and how have those challenges helped you become the event professional that you are today? Yeah, I would say some issues I have encountered as a woman within this space have been mostly kind of like sexist kind of issues. I recall a time in which someone was trying to pass me a compliment and they were like, I see what you're doing with the labs. I absolutely love, I see what you and Fair are doing, your estrogen platform. I was like, estrogen (laughs) platform? Did he just mention my hormones? (laughs) While like talking about the platform, I was completely thrown off. In my past, I've been very reactionary. 
I react to things. But since yeah. I've been talking to people and dealing with people more, I've been working on being aware and processing before I react. And in that moment, that being aware and processing really helped because my initial reaction was to confront <laughs> Roll <that>. your eyes. <laughs> and, and also bring it to, because that person worked in a more male dominated field, I was going to throw it right back at them. But then I thought about it and I was like, you know what, really? He's trying to give me a compliment. Let me just see what I can do with this. So I just boom, flipped it and actually ended up extending the deal a little bit further. So that was great. But That's being awesome. in, this, in this field has caused us to encounter things of that kind of often. People don't see a Black-owned, women-ran virtual experience platform. People don't hear much about what it is that we're doing. And so we have to kind of proclaim our successes from the mountaintop, not only for inspirational purposes, but also to let people know that what we're doing works and to, mm -hmm. you know, back up who we are. But I found that as I express what it is that we're doing to certain people, sometimes people can look at you like you're bragging in this yeah. space. And yeah. That's been some of the issues I've encountered. And in so many ways, it feels like you sort of like have to prove again and again that what you are promoting, what you're bragging about, it's actually something that you can execute and provide as a service. And I feel like it's also something where you kind of have to show more than tell, but without telling, like, how does the word get out there, right? So there has to be a balance between the two. And as women, sometimes we have to prove way more than we should because how is it that you're doing this instead of doing something else why are you passionate about it? it's like you get questioned like silly questions like that i'm like why does it matter i don't understand <laughs> this to me makes no sense so right. i guess stepping outside of your comfort zone anything that you can recall that it just gave you that solidification of the reason why you're here and why you're still pursuing this passion for connecting with people and providing them with a solution that might be outside of the box, right? Like you have to think a bit of outside of the box. Yeah, I would say there have been a few instances where I have worked with a smaller organization from start to finish, and I've seen what they've gone through. And once we've completed everything and they've seen the work that we've done and they saw how they were able to secure more sponsorships, to add more ad revenue to their events, to keep people more engaged, they're so ecstatic to have worked with us. And it's so rewarding to watch us take people from one place to another. When we speak about the metaverse, when we speak about, you know, interactive experiences, virtual experiences, people are a little bit apprehensive to move forward. They think of that big bulky headset that they have to put on. A lot of questions people ask are like, you know, are you going to get seasick, things of that nature. And with our platform, we work in what we call Web 2.5. And so that's sitting right between Web 2.0, which is what we use now, and Web 3.0, which is what most people think of when they're looking or thinking about the metaverse with the Oculus headset. Mm -hmm. And so with the labs, we've been able to provide access to people who wouldn't normally be able to get into the metaverse or wouldn't normally be able to view or present their information in a space like that. And that's been super rewarding, especially working with smaller organizations, because we have worked with the Googles and the Comcasts, and that's great too. That is always inspirational, but it's always the smaller brands that touch me kind of like personally, because it feels like I'm really like living through my mission of helping people, connecting people and getting people over the hump. So I love that. That's beautiful. Now that we got to mention the metaverse events and also get to know you a little bit as much as you were apprehensive about sharing about yourself, which I'm sure we're going to find out a little bit more as we continue our conversation. But I would love to dive now into this world of online digital events. And just for anyone that's listening, probably we're going to use the digital versus online event interchangeably throughout the conversation. And just think that it's basically an event that happens in a digital online virtual format. So if you're going to hear three different types of uh, worlds to describe this type of event, just think of that. And when it comes to the metaverse events, as you mentioned, that's sort of like the next step, a little higher than just a virtual event, as I'm sure everybody's so familiar with virtual events that we've had quite a few of in the last two, three years. So as we get to start on this topic, let's start maybe with the basics, right? You just mentioned how, you know, the platform that you're working with right now is something 
something that operates between the web 2.0 and web 3.0 and it's the 2.5 which for someone that is not necessarily into computer programming they're like i don't understand what that means but really the way i see things is that the metaverse or virtual is just essentially another place where you can really plan and produce your events and it's a place where it's somewhat unique in the sense that you can interact with it in different ways based on what you're doing and like you said ali you mentioned you know virtual reality uh, there's definitely lots of equipment and tools to support the higher elevated version of what that might look like there's worlds metaverse worlds out there that probably is not what we're going to touch on today because that kind of goes beyond the point of our conversation but for anyone that is interested to find out okay how can i maybe plan an event produce an event or find a solution and experience for something that looks more like i want to meet my employees in this space that we create and we kind of all move around or maybe we host a board meeting or maybe we give a lecture or maybe i don't know something that gives me enough reasons not to have to leave my home but also is not the boring zoom meeting that we're sort of like tired of with that why do you think that first off Digital events are still relevant, right? In a place and a space where people can easily go to Zoom. But also, why is it relevant as a solution to provide an audience with something different, like something that they would want to experience, something that they would want to make sure that they don't miss being part of? And I guess the third part of this question that just keeps on going... What are the most critical components of this type of event that is produced in this metaverse space that will guarantee that this event is a hit? Yeah, so the first question was, are digital events still relevant in a world where we're meeting in person again? And do you see that digital events are still relevant regardless of you know the fact that we can meet in person? Yes, I would say digital events are very relevant, especially the way that we do them. So a digital event typically has been thought about as a space that takes place over a day or maybe a week. It's like a conference or a summit. The way that we look at digital events would be more so as an evergreen experience that you're able to take your conversations, your conference guests, your hosts, your speakers, and take those talking points that they had, take parts of the event and make and break them into bite-sized snackable pieces that are easy to digest for your viewers. I think 80% of information that is retained or taken in is forgotten within a year if you don't revisit it. And so I feel like even less than that, like ask me what did I hear or learn at the conference that I just joined last week? Right. And so <laughs> knowing that what we've done is created a space that you can take that information from those conferences. You can take those good keynote speakers and put them into this space and have people revisit it and build community as well. People come into these spaces, they revisit the topics and they leave comments. They share Instagram handles and people connect on social media platforms. It's a space to engage your audience from one central location. So going back to your second question, how do you capture these audiences in these digital metaverses? So we do that by creating these really cool activations. I described earlier our platform as Web 2.5. The reason I say that is because it is more immersive, more interactive, and more engaging than what we know of the, the internet right now. So you can come into these spaces and no matter the time that you enter the space, everyone who views it will see the same things in comparison to like a live event or things of that nature. People come in late, they might not see the same things. When you have an event like what we create, people are able to have one unified experience. And when you have that, people connect more. And so within this space, you're able to create these immersive experiences that allow people to stay for longer time periods, which is what ads and sponsorship money comes in. And then as far as maybe key components from maybe an event professional's point of view, as they're looking at this as an option, like another option for their events, what are some of the key components or critical components to make sure that this event is produced in a way that it won't fail? Or maybe it's not so much about failing as much as it is about ROI, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah, I would say probably communication at the beginning of the process is very important. At the beginning of our process, we are planning. We're trying to figure out what the goal of this experience is, what we're measuring, what is attainable, 
how many people will be in this space? Who are your audience members? These are the types of questions that we're asking to create the most the optimal experience for your viewers. Another thing that's super important is making sure that you have quality content. We are very content heavy society these days. I think more people are gathering information, especially from video content. Your podcast is an example of that. I was listening to it on Spotify, but I enjoy watching the session. So I pulled it up on my phone and was viewing the video. That's how I interpret information. Other people like to listen to it. Our platform allows you to create this space that caters to your audience, caters to everyone in your audience. So you're able to throw information. If someone is easily distracted, maybe there's something that has a timer that comes across the screen that grabs your attention in the middle of the conversation. Other people like to read the material. There are places you could go within the space to get the transcripts of the conversations that were already had. Other people are very visual. Some people learn through games. We're able to gamify these spaces as well. So making these places immersive are, is important to making sure that these people are able to gain the information that you want them to have. And that is the problem that we solve for. And I love that actually this idea of gamification of content and an experience. I think we don't give it enough credit. Actually yesterday, whatever whatever yesterday was at the time of airing this episode we went to top golf event and it was fun i mean i'm not a golfer right but it was fun to just get in the swing of things literally and just play a round of golf and one thing that they had which was which really grabbed me and captured my attention after you know half of an hour of just like sort of swinging the bat and hoping to hit some ball somewhere far in the distance right because again i have no idea what i'm doing but it was this gamification of the game like you have a few players and now we're playing against each other but the goal was like it's almost like Angry Birds type of setup. So now we need to destroy some things, right? And we have to explode some structures, whatever. So the idea that now you're actually working towards a goal and you're not just swinging this ball in that direction, hoping to whatever, hit some type of a target, that made it so much more interesting to me, right? So now I got into it and I'm like, now I'm here to win it. <laughs> Yes, yes. But the cool thing about this story that you shared is they met you where you were at, whatever level you were at. So it sounds like even if I were, you know, advanced, I could come into that space, swing off and do my own thing and enjoy myself as well as exactly. if I was intermediate and beginner. Totally and the beginner, same, just there to play a game. <laughs> exactly. And the same goes for the platform that we have. We meet you where you're at, whether you are a small business, never been in the metaverse before, or you are someone like Hulu who wants to do a film launching. Well, now that we have established that online events in the metaverse are a distinct type of gatherings that delivers the novelty of technology sometimes that's currently available, but also takes, you know, the traditional occasion, the traditional event and turns it into a different type of online virtual experience. What type of events, online events and experiences does the labs do in the metaverse that just happen to work? Is there any type of events that you should do or maybe some events that you shouldn't? Yeah, I would say we work really well with conferences and summits. If you have a conference coming up or a summit that you want to create, we're really good at experiences like that. The Labs is really good at creating experiences centered around gathering people or providing information. We have done summits, we have done conferences, and one that was particularly super successful was something we did with the Fearless Fund, which is a VC, Black-owned, women-led VC funding group. And so we've actually worked with them for the last two years. And the year before last, they had a plethora of guest speakers, one of them being Steve Madden. And Steve Madden, it was an in-person and online events, so it was hybrid. And we wanted to come up with a way to keep the people who were viewing from home engaged as well. So one of the activations we created was kind of like a giveaway, but we didn't tell the people that we were doing a giveaway. And the way that we crafted the rooms within these spaces were we allowed the people to kind of go in and out freely, but told them to meet us back in. Steve Madden's room, 12 p.m., there's going to be a surprise. And so people started kind of coming into the space and people started sharing the links, which was a boost in engagement as well. And at 12 p.m., there was a red light, it turned green, and anyone that was in that room got a free pair of Steve Madden shoes. If you weren't in that room, you didn't get those shoes. Even That's after fabulous. the giveaway. I just bought me a pair of Steve Madden shoes in Vegas because <laughs> I was like running my other pair of shoes into the ground and I'm like, <laughs> I have to go shopping now. <laughs> what it would have been great for you to be in that room. Right? <laughs> you got a free pair. <laughs> right. Even after Steve Madden gave away 
those shoes, people were sharing the link and people were coming into that space. And after the event was done and over with, sponsors got wind of who all was there and they wanted to be on the docket for next year. So just an example of the types of experiences that do well within these spaces. But it's more than that. I mean, we've created gamified experiences for nonprofit organizations. We've created mental health wellness spaces for people to convene and talk with their communities. And we've worked recently with the mayor of Atlanta to create women in the workspace where people, entrepreneurs, specifically women, come into the space once a month and they have a virtual roundtable. So it's not just, you know, a one-time space, a summit, a conference, we take that material and we put it into the space. But this is a place for people to come and out of as they feel free, share information and convene with one another. I love that. So what type of events do you feel like maybe they're not the proper type of events to use this tool? Is there anything that might come to mind that be like, okay, maybe this is not the right type of event to actually be putting all this energy into or something? Yeah, that's a really good question. That's hard for me to answer because I'm so optimistic about what we could be doing. Like, even if we're not doing that now, I see where we could go. So the platform, and this is actually an issue that I kind of struggle with personally as a business developer, is it's so universal. It could be used in so many different ways that it's really hard for me to narrow down like what it could not be used for or mm -hmm. to exclude an industry from this space. Because in my head, if I think it doesn't work, it's just because I haven't thought outside of the box yet. There's always a way to make it work, in my own opinion. Even the first thing that came to mind is maybe like shopping experiences. And we do live experiences too. So like where like an influencer can come in and, you know, talk about the clothes that they have on. I'm wearing this right now. And you can literally buy the blazer as they're talking about it within the experience. So I can't really think of who we couldn't assist with. My only thing is if we can't help, then we haven't thought outside the box enough. I love that. All right. So I guess before we take a short break here, here's my next question for you. What are the stepping blocks of a well-planned, managed, and executed digital event in the metaverse? The first thing I think you need is a dash of creativity because you want it to be outstanding. You want it to stand out from the regular Zoom calls. And that's what, and we assist with that. You don't have to be the most creative person to work with us. The second thing I would say is having assets, having your video content, having audio, having all types of promotional things that just tell people who you are. The third thing I'd say is a story. We are a storytelling platform and we want to help you tell your story from start to finish, whether you're talking about something for your nonprofit organization or you're trying to tell the history of what it is that you do. Telling that story through the different rooms helps to resonate with your audience more. So it's very important to have a story as well that we can share. And then I would say, again, communication is important. Talking with the team, making sure that this is what you want, what you like, these are the colors and things of that nature are so important to making sure it is what you want in the end. We're not afraid of any type of pushback. So if we create something and you're not liking the colors, you're not liking what it is, we offer tons of revisions that we can assist you with that. So those would be the main things I think you need to bring to create a very interactive and immersive experience with the labs. And I think the design, when you imagine this space, what would it look like? What could it be? And then be able to verbalize that or communicate that in a way that it's possible to be put into practice. Because you, basically you're building those spaces from scratch many times. Right. We do offer templates, which can assist with people who want to get something up and running. But when it comes to the creative aspect, just being clear and communicating what it is that you want to do regarding the purpose of this space is so very important. And then from there, our designers are able to design, draft, and launch up this space for you. When Then once everything is approved, normally within 30 days, we're able to launch. I love it. Okay, Ali, let's take a quick break and then we're going to be right back and we're going to be talking more about how does the client leverage maybe sponsorships so they really get an ROI with this type of event. But before we do that, we're going to take one short break to acknowledge our sponsor for the podcast. 
before we move any further, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our main sponsor, Trifan Events, which is a boutique event planning and production agency that will come alongside you, offering personalized event planning and technical support, strategic event design, production and technology management, and flawless execution for live, virtual, and hybrid events. The team at Trifan Events is passionate about planning and producing event experiences that get people involved with true moments of interaction, engagement, and co-creation while offering white glove treatment throughout the entire planning process, enabling you to reach your event goals with the use of creativity, production tools, and event technology. To find out how Trifun Events can plan and produce your event become memorable, go to trifunevents.com. Coming back to our conversation today with our featured guest, Ali Robertson, the Director of Business Development at The Labs, a platform that specializes in creating immersive web, mobile, and kiosk event experiences. As we've learned for the past two years or three, not all online event alternatives can replace the engagement-friendly experiences that happen in real life. But it isn't always possible to gather a large audience in one place. And that's when having a online event, a virtual version or some type of an option that can be used as and leverage in order for more people to join the event is so important. So for anyone that is new to this concept, I would love to delve into another two, three part question. <laughs> which apparently I'm very famous for. You know, I always want to go from one thing to the next to the next. So let's start with, I guess, a two-part question. What are some of the benefits of a digital event in the metaverse? And how did some of your clients leverage sponsorship in order to create this event and also benefit from it? Some of the benefits of having a virtual experience within the metaverse would be the ability to gather more people than you can fit into the average work office space or even conference space. When you are using the metaverse, you are able to get, the numbers are almost kind of like infinite. So you can get tons of people into one space, creating one unified experience for people to view at the same time. Another benefit is being able to engage your viewers from a central location. They don't have to go to YouTube to view your videos. We integrate with YouTube and we can put those videos within these spaces and the views will still go up it counts twofold. They don't have to jump on to Twitter to live tweet during the event. They can hop in the chat box, which is within the space. So having all these different widgets and activations within the space, and even they don't have to leave to go buy something. You can buy merch within these spaces as well. So having all of these people and all of these activations going on in one central location assists with, you don't have to rent out a space. That's one of the many benefits. Another would be that you don't have to rent out a space. And then in order for, say, this type of events to really have a strong ROI, how do clients that you worked with before have been leveraging sponsorships in order to create this experience? Because they is a cost associated with creating this type of event, right? Correct. So we've been able to keep our prices fairly reasonable more than reasonable in comparison to other metaverse experiences. We have it, like I mentioned earlier, the ability to create templates or, or to utilize our template program, which starts at about 6K. And then we can get as advanced as you want it to be, including creating those 360 spaces all the way up to, you know, the Oculus headset. But a lot of the organizations we work with, like I mentioned before, smaller businesses, and they're able to increase their ROI through ads and sponsorship. Whenever you get a nice a guest speaker that brings their own audience in. Now there's more people coming from them, more people coming from your audience. Next thing you know, your audience numbers have doubled. And then sponsors and ads want to be a part of that because they see that people are coming into these spaces and with numbers. For instance, the boss conference, we did the boss conference in 2020. We thought there would be maybe a thousand people that would come into this space, 
we ended up with about 50,000 people within this space. So that was mind blowing. And we were so nervous about, you know, is the system going to be able to handle that? It did. It worked really well. And had that been in a, a physical location, imagine if that many people rushed to a space, you wouldn't be able to have a successful event. But because this was an online space, people were pouring into this. And once other sponsors heard, we were on a call with a partner of ours and they heard how well the boss conference had done. And they were like, if I would have known that, I would have paid 10K plus to be in that space to have a little pop-up that comes up at a certain time, just advertising what it is that we do or a little game that is sponsored by what it is. So we're able to help organizations get those sponsorship and add dollars by creating these immersive experiences that keep people in one space. So what did you feel the boss conference did well in order to gather so many people in one space? Because that's a huge difference between the expectation versus the outcome, right? Yes, they did a lot of promotion. They had a really great creative team already, which worked in tandem with our creative team. And they had a great guest speakers that kept people intrigued. People wanted to be a part of that experience because of the people who were speaking at that experience. And then the vendors as well. Vendors knew who was speaking, knew that people were going to want to come and hear them speak and asked to set up virtual booths within the space. So we built out a merch room where these vendors could sell their products. And it was a huge success. So from an audience member point of view, how many of those pop pops and different things that fly across the screen in a way are too many to distract from the experience. Is there a ratio between like, okay, this is acceptable versus this is a little too much and some people might get annoyed? That's a great question. When we work with our clients, we're asking tons of questions. One of those being, who is your target audience? Who's your main demographic? Once we know that, we cater an experience centered around that. So if your audience is new to the metaverse, aren't super technologically advanced or computer savvy, then we listen to that and we create an experience that's catered towards them. We meet them where they're at, similar to your golf experience. If you're a beginner, we've got you. A lot of times we'll put up Instead of it being like a video flying across the screen, maybe it'll a button that is pulsating that encourages the viewer to click it. And once you click it, maybe it's text explaining what's going on as opposed to a video. So there are many different options, but we cater to the audience of our clients. So you feel like maybe an older audience or maybe a newer to the metaverse audience would maybe call for lesser distractions and more instructions on how to use the platform versus someone that is a TikToker and there's constantly like all kinds of things happening on the screen and they're used to that type of fast moving video play where it doesn't bother them if there's all kinds of things happening. Right. Yeah. So what we try to do is make sure that it's not too overwhelming for the guests. And generally, what I've noticed is actually the clients that are catering to an older audience are so intrigued and fascinated by this space that they actually want all the bells and whistles. They're like, what is that? I want to click on it. They won't ask you to explain the back end. They don't want to hear anything about that part. But the buttons and the colors, they enjoy it actually. And they want all the bells and whistles. We try to make sure though that it's not too distracting. So depending on the type of experience that you're creating, that's the type of message that you'll get. So if it's a very long conference or a long meeting that you're going to be having, then yes, you're probably going to want pop-ups that pop up randomly to keep people engaged. If it's something that's going to already be a 30-minute podcast, something similar to yours, we don't really need all of that. Maybe we just have some nice background that has something that's moving. This is one of the backgrounds that we've created if you're watching the podcast yourself. But sometimes if we were in the labs, I would have this thing swirling behind me, you know? So it'll be something simple and it might be a light flickering. It won't be necessarily always something coming across the screen if that's not mm -hmm. what you want. All right. That's fabulous to know just because, you know, some people I feel like they can be overwhelmed with way too many things happening at once when they're trying to just focus on maybe this one piece of content or this one speaker. And as we mentioned, you know, before the break, there's certainly a lot of obvious and known value adds that it can reach such a wider audience with this type of event. There are also other type of impactful benefits that I think we might have mentioned or, you know, are worth mentioning like accessibility and 
and engagement and experience with the multiple or single type of content, network interaction and analytics, especially analytics, because I bet after that boss event, the analytics for that event definitely dictated the future of the next event. It wasn't planning in the dark anymore. Like now you knew what you're going to plan and what type of activations you're going to have and how many people are expected to join. Now, with all of that in mind, we can't really be naive to think that the online event provides only benefits and there's no flaws. What are some of the cons of online events hosted in the metaverse that you can speak to and how can you overcome them? Technical difficulties. <laughs> so that can happen. We've anywhere. never had that before. <laughs> Don't know if you're familiar with that, but it can happen anywhere, anytime, and can completely throw an event off. But what I found is with a little bit of patience and knowing your audience and a little bit of preparedness as well, that can help. So let's say we're in the middle of a live event and we're buffering. When we have all of these different other activations around us, we we can divert attention towards those things while we figure out the technical issues, whether it be, hey guys, why don't we meet in the lobby? We're going to do a quick game or whether it be head over to the merch space. We've got a special surprise over there while we figure out what's going on with the live aspect. Say patience is the way that we all deal with it, right? It affects the viewer as well as the presenter. And sometimes it's out of our hands. So that's all you can really do is have patience and kindness for the people behind the scenes. Because a lot of times when these things go wrong, the first thing they do is they look to production and it might not even be production's issue, or they might look at the labs and say, what happened with the internet connection? So giving that grace goes a long way. I would just say patience, kindness, and grace. I mean, there's definitely that for sure. And I think a lot of the event platforms, online event platforms have learned that lesson the hard way, right? Where, you know, they were planning, especially in the beginning stages of virtual events for an event that the platform just crashed because they couldn't take that type of onslaught. But sometimes there's also, you know, awkward networking that can happen on a virtual platform. Have you, have you experienced that? How do you overcome that? And another one that sort of comes to mind is, it is the focus, the disconnect that happens for people that are maybe in their home offices partaking into this amazing experience, yet they're also doing a bunch of other things at the same time. And leaving, you know, the first row of a ballroom is so much harder than leaving this experience that's virtual. I think that networking can be awkward for majority of people who are doing it regardless of where it's taking place. And so we get around that by doing what you would do in person, which is to have awkward, silly games and things that get people talking with one another. What I notice the most, though, that gets people really sharing is whenever a good speaker is on, the chat box is lighting up and people are communicating with one another, just kind of like live tweeting. So that kind of helps. I think because we can sometimes be in a less professional setting, it's not a conference ballroom, you're at the comfort of your own home. I think it actually can sometimes create not more of a bond, but a different type of a bond mm -hmm. where people are sharing their social media handles. To me, if you're sharing with me your social media handle, you really want me to kind of get a good idea as to the type of person you are. Mm -hmm. That's kind of personal. And in, in my opinion, yeah. I don't really give people my Instagram handle at a conference in person, but yeah. virtually because it's a little less professional, I suppose, in some people's heads, or they feel a sense of maybe because they're not together personally, they feel the need to connect more. Maybe those handles get shared and people connect on different social media platforms. So I think we just assist by providing that space for it to take place. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be a little bit weird, but as long as the information that's being shared is great and people want to continue the conversation, then networking will happen naturally. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Honestly, you're right. Like unless it's my business, you know, Instagram page that it's very professionally curated, my personal Instagram, which is private. I don't know if I want to share that, right? <laughs> 
Right. I typically don't, but during some of these virtual experiences, I've seen that happening. Hey, hit me up here, follow me there, do this where, and not just personal pages either, other business pages that pertain to the information being shared virtually. Mm -hmm. This is my page. Here's a link to my website. It's all in the chat and people are sharing those things and you can go back, revisit it, find that link. As opposed to going through your cards when you go home, I lose tons of those cards, you know, like if it's not virtual, if I can't revisit it, it's pretty much gone once it's left. So Absolutely. I stopped giving cards because of that reason. I'm like, I don't even know where the cards that I receive go. So I'm pretty sure mine goes exactly the same direction. So what's the point? Well, this is a fabulous insight, you know, into the making of a great hybrid or virtual event with this metaverse option being part of it. Now, since we're coming to a close here, and I really want to also touch on the topic that this uh, season focuses on, which is mental and physical physical fitness. In closing, Ali, I wanted to ask you from some of the strategies that you built for yourself or some of the tips that maybe you want to share, is there anything that you do that keeps you fit and in good shape and especially your mind sharp and able to come up with creative ideas? As you mentioned, that's a huge part of your role in a way. And to me, I feel like when I don't give myself space to work my body and go on a walk or something, my mind is not very creative either. So do you have any strategies that you use for yourself when you feel like you're just overwhelmed with all the things that you have to do and yet you still have to show up creatively for your next appointment, basically? Yeah. So I try to keep my body moving. I do a couple of things to make sure that I keep my body moving because when I'm stagnant, my mind is stagnant as well. So if I'm in the middle of a hectic work day, I try to get a 10 minute walk in. Even if I don't have to go anywhere, sometimes I just go outside and literally do a lap or two or three around my complex. And then Mm -hmm. I'll come back in and finish my work. The other thing I do that helps me with mind and my body is yoga, Pilates, meditation. I'm not the best meditator. My mind drifts quickly and often. But I found that when I can kind of like focus on what it is I'm going to do next, I can draw these things to me. So Mm -hmm. it takes some time and it takes some effort. I've got to do the work, but visualizing it first is the first step in my book. And I normally do that when I'm in the middle of like a nice yoga session or Mm -hmm. in the midst of like Pilates, I'm like clearing my mind. I let it be empty for a moment. And after it's been emptied, I can put in the information I need to organize. And then I'm able to come up with something, but I have to keep my body moving. What do you do? Well, I love that image that you just created with this vessel that you have to empty first before you can put in extra stuff, because I feel like for me exactly the same way the workouts that I tend to do in the morning before I even start my work day that's what it does right so like if I wake up in the morning early to just do a run and then I have to get my kids out the door and usually that's one of like the most chaotic times of my day but if I miss a workout right after that chaotic 30 minutes you know of my day I start my day very like overwhelmed and sort of like spinning my wheels without much progress I'm not not very productive. I mean, I am trying to be productive, but it's just mm-hmm. it's not going at the same level that it is when I just go in after I drop off my kids, hit the gym for an hour. I allow my mind now to be free of all the frustrations of what the morning has brought. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And then I can start my day in a space where I can have, you know, something to give and whatever that might be, you know, something that has to do with my planning, with my quotes, my proposal, the meetings, the conversations, the podcast recordings, all the things that you end up doing in a day that just Mm -hmm. takes out of you. And the days when I don't, yeah, I feel like I'm constantly just chasing my own tail Mm -hmm. and it's tiring. You know, it can certainly be tiring. And I realized for myself, I have to make it a priority every single day, even though, you know, for some people telling them that I go and work out for six days in a row in a week, you know, it sounds like that's way too much time, but it's for my own benefit. And I see the benefit of being clear minded and keeping my mind sharp and keeping my body fit and healthy. And then having this productive mind that now is able to take on the task at hand. And doesn't it feel so good after you've done like a nice workout and your mind is clear and you take that shower and you get to work and you're like just ready to get down to business everything is organized in my brain yeah absolutely 
That's the best way to put it. Well, thank you so much for sharing that because I love it to just, you know, hear different strategies and what works for them. And it was funny because I was recording an episode with someone recently and they were talking about this shaker plate. I don't know if you've like heard of it. I haven't until I tried it. So I was in Vegas for a 10 day show, which was way too long for a Vegas experience because I'm like, get so tired and overwhelmed, but just with Vegas in general. I know it's way too long, but the gym at the resort I was at, it had the best type of shaker plate that I've ever experienced. Also, I looked up the price, probably not something I'm going to buy anytime soon. Like I was just in the (laughs) 40K category, right? So as I'm shaking on this thing and I'm like, my muscles just start moving, my circulation, my lymphatic system is just doing things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can see why this works for this one guest that I had that was talking about it. I'm like, I'm a believer now because it certainly changes certain things within your body. And it was glorious. However, probably the version I'm going to get from Amazon might be disappointing <laughs> compared to that. <laughs> so do you stand on it and then it like shakes you, you or stand something? On it and it, it has this like vibration that you can increase like from one to eight. I was literally running mine at eight all the time. Okay. And it just shakes you. It shakes you, but based on like how you place your body on this plate, you can start shaking from the legs up, right? All the way to like literally your brain. And then you can just shift your body and then it moves that pulsating energy to a different part of your body. So like if I was working on my lower body, then I was focusing more on my lower body. So I can sort of, it's almost like, you know how people buy, they started buying those massage gun things Mm -hmm. that they start like using. And I know my husband has one of them and just like, he's watching TV is like massage. Hilarious. So this is what that does. Only it's a plate that you sit on. Interesting. So I was like, okay, I I just learned something new and I might need this in my fitness routine now. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Now I learned something new. I might have to go try it out. That's so interesting. Thanks for sharing. Like having to buy one and be like, I blame you for this. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, it only takes a few different event experiences to pay for this one plate that would cost just as much as a car. But like, who who's counting, right? Natural lymphatic system once you drain it after <laughs> using <true>. the machine. <laughs> so. Hey, that's worth its money in gold. Well, Ali, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you so much for staying with me and going through all of those five-part questions that I just bombarded you with. One last question, and I promise this is just one part question. Where <laughs> okay. can our audience connect with you if they want to learn more about the type of metaverse event experiences that you support and you can guide them through? Sure. They can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Ali, A-L-I, Robinson, R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N. I think you said you would leave that in the notes so they can find me there. Absolutely. And definitely we'll have that in the episode notes. And in the meantime, well, this is it for today's episode. Thank you so much, Ali, for sharing all your, Thank you for having me, uh, your knowledge and expertise with our audience. And for everyone that's listening, do make sure that you subscribe to our new YouTube channel that we launched a couple of months ago, I believe. We're trying to move all of the episodes onto this brand new channel that will host basically all the video episodes and then we'll see what happens from there. And in the meantime, we'll stay healthy, stay happy, feed, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Events Demystified podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to review it, rate it, and share it with other event professionals that could benefit from it. Connect with us on social at Events Demystified Podcast. We would love to hear from you and what you're up to. If you'd like to learn more about Tree Fan Event Services and find out if we're a good fit in supporting your event, can we help your event be successful with a 20-minute free consultation? Link in the episode's notes. Thanks for tuning in.